People quit loving each other. People quit loving God. And people quit acting like they know what it means to be loved. Listen, love goes on because God goes on. May we go on with God. Haggai is where we are. We've been here for weeks as a church family. And back to Haggai we are. So go with me in the word of God, the book of Haggai. Haggai is one of the 12 minor prophets in the word of God. At the end of the Old Testament, the section of prophecy occurs in Scripture. And that section is comprised of four major prophets and 12 minor prophets. The major prophets wrote larger books. The minor prophets wrote smaller books. The major and minor has nothing to do with more importance and less importance. Because if you wrote anything in the Bible, it's all important. And God is the author of the Scripture We're in the book of Haggai. Let's look at a few verses that stand out out in my mind, and we'll we'll get to the end of this either today or or next Sunday. Look at verse 8. The silver is mine. This is chapter 2. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Last week, here we look at verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord, and in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, I told you last week, with God, your future can be better than your past. Now, now look, come on. It's a nice-looking church. I'm talking about the people. Y'all pretty good-looking people. I mean, you, you dress nice, you, you nice hair, nice hats. Good-looking folk. But listen, every once in a while you need to step away from that good-looking outfit you got and just keep it real. You ought to be thankful that God has managed to make your future better than your past. Now, we're going to ask you to put it up on the screen because you might want to excuse yourself first. But how many of you can just signify by an amen? Pastor? I got some stuff in my past. I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. (laughs) We have to talk about that sometimes. Because the devil loves to remind you of your past. Somebody got to get past your past. And we have a phrase we preachers use. When the devil reminds you about your past, remind him about his future. Tell him, you're going down, down, down. Now, look at a couple more verses. Look down at chapter 2, verse number 19. Is the sea yet in the barn, yea, as yet the vine and the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth? From this day will I what? Mmm. 23. And I will... Overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, everyone 
by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, saith the Lord, and I will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord. Let the church say amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray you add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin. Empty me of self. Fill me with your spirit. Help me be a blessing. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. If somebody doesn't know Jesus, help today be the day that that one gets saving knowledge of the truth. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Say it with me. Consider your ways. Say it now. Consider your ways. Again, consider your ways. Yes. Help somebody beside you understand the theme of this series by looking at them and saying it with me. Consider your ways. Say it. Consider your ways. Say it again. Consider your ways. Now, what does the word consider mean? It means to think about carefully. Uh, especially in regard to taking some action. And so God does not use this word haphazardly in the book of Haggai because he is speaking to a people that were drowning in apathy. Apathy is akin to lackluster, lackadaisical, lifeless, lethargic, inactive, careless, nonchalant. How about this one? Blah. That's apathy. It's akin to the Laodicean age. Jesus is speaking to the churches in the book of Revelation. And John is listening to this revelation. And the last church of the seven churches in Asia Minor, that's where the country of Turkey is today, seven churches historically listed in the book of the Revelation, the last of those seven churches is the church of Laodicea. Let's say that together. Laodicea. Say it again. Laodicea. Rich folk. Self-sufficient. More than their heart could desire. Well off on paper, but dying spiritually. And their self-sufficiency brought about an apathy in them that was, we don't need to change. We don't need to do nothing. We're fine. We're comfortable where we are. We have no drive to us at all. That's the last church in the book of the Revelation. And those seven churches represent the church age, the stages that churches will be like in all of time. And ladies and gentlemen, if you really study history, being, believing that Jesus is going to come anytime, we are in the Laodicean age. The spirit of apathy is the spirit of commonality among believers today. And folks, we can't reach a world if we're apathetic. We can't live for God if we're apathetic. We can't whoop the devil if we're apathetic. We can't conquer our, our, our habits that are bad if we're apathetic. And we certainly can't make an impact in the lives of people if we're apathetic. So when God said through Haggai to tell the people to consider your ways, he was talking to a people who clearly weren't doing anything. And before they started doing, they needed to start Thinking. Hmm. I heard a preacher 
say this week when I was preaching in Tennessee. If you think, you'll thank. If you think, you'll thank. Somebody in the building, they say, God, my life is miserable. I'm going down, and it's the worst it's ever been. No, 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 no. If you think, you'll thank. Listen, if you think about God, you'll start thanking God. If you think about the Word of God, you'll thank God. If you think about where he brought you from, you'll thank God where he brought you to. Aren't you glad he didn't just buy you, but he brought you? Listen to me. He bought you from sin, but he brought you to a good. Somebody help me preach now. If you think, you thank. So we went through this series. He said, you're going to have to acknowledge your problem. Secondly, he said, you're going to have to adjust your priorities. Thirdly, he said, you're going to have to accept God's punishment. That means if you don't consider your way. Here was the context, ladies and gentlemen. They came back to Jerusalem from Babylon. They went to Babylon because they didn't obey God. Listen to me. Hear me now. When you don't obey God, there are consequences. Last night we had a parenting conference for for our parents that wanted to sign up, and we were talking about consequences with children, and that consequences are, are a help to, to change, right? If, if people do stuff and don't have any consequences, they don't ever change. Huh? Uh, every once in a while, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the barber shop, and my barber is from Ethiopia, and he tells me, he says, Pastor, there's stuff that happens in America all the time that doesn't happen in Ethiopia because people know if they do it there, they're going to be punished. They do it here because they're not. You know what he's simply saying? When there are no consequences, there is a continuum. But when there is a consequence, there is a change. So don't sit up here and call God mean because he sent them to Babylon because they didn't have to go. If they weren't bad, they wouldn't have gone to Babylon. You can't get upset with God for punishing you when you are the reason he punished you. So they went to Babylon because they messed up. But isn't it nice of God, even after you mess up, to give you mercy and bring you back? Come on now. So somebody said, I'm going through a tough time. God just beating me down. Well, thank God you still got to come to church and get right this morning. Amen. And so the mercy of God has brought you to a place where he's the God of the second chance. And there's a chance for repentance. There's a chance to get right. And here they are back in Jerusalem. When they got back to Jerusalem, it wasn't just God bringing them back to Jerusalem. They came back to a mess. The city was ruined. The, 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 the temple was destroyed. They were a reproach. It was an embarrassment because the enemies of God looked at them and said, y'all supposed to be children of God and your temple looks like that. And they were embarrassed. They were a remnant of people, not a big group of people. So when they got back, they needed to get back to work. By the way, when God's mercy lets you come back to where you were from where you came from, don't just come back and sit on a log, amen. Come back and get to work, all right. When God gets you up, listen, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. Peter fell, didn't he? Peter said, I'll go with you all the way to death. He didn't even go to death. He didn't live for God in life. He denied Jesus three times. The third time he went off cursing. Said, he didn't even say, I don't want to serve him. He said, I don't even know him. Jesus looked at him and Peter wept bitterly. And then in John 21, he goes back to fishing. That's quitting. He quit. God called him from fishing to follow him. Now he's going to go back to fishing. Jesus shows up, chases him now. Somebody say amen for the times he has chased you down. Come, no, say amen louder for the times he's chased you down. Some of you say, I'm glad to be back in church. And you know you didn't come on your own. You know Jesus sent an Uber to pick you up. Amen. He found you in your mess. In my, come on. He didn't start talking to you when you got right. He came and got you when you were wrong and brought you back to right. So stop looking signified. I just thank the Lord. I woke up and I turned my life. You didn't turn your life around. Jesus turned you around. You were lost and out there. And if you weren't lost, you were saved and looked lost. Acting like a fool. Aren't you glad he, glad he came looking for you? You say, well, well you tell me, my, my parents tell me I don't need to hang around the wrong place. You don't need to hang around the wrong places because you're flesh. You hang around the wrong places trying to save somebody. Instead of saving them, they might ruin you. 
But Jesus don't ever have to worry about going down in the gutter and staying in the gutter because he's a perfect God. He could come down to your mess and bring you out of it. Somebody say amen that he did. But you can't come back to sit. You got to come back to work. So for the Jews, it was a temple. For you and I, it's the work of God. By the way, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If God saved you from misery, when you get back, work on your temple. If the Jews needed to build their temple, how are you building yours? How do you build up your temple? You read God's word. How do you build up your temple? You pray every day. It's 12, 15 in the afternoon. Have you prayed yet? Say, so, yeah, I had breakfast. Rub-a-dub-dub. Think, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about talking to God like you talk, like you talk to people that you love. Amen. Some of you can't stay awake in church because you talked to your girlfriend all last night. Talk to God like you talk to someone you love. Amen. That's how you build up your temple. You fortify yourself. You put yourself in a position that unlike the Jews, you're not an embarrassment as a child of God. Listen to me. If people looked at Jerusalem and saw a broke down temple and said, why are the people of God staying in a place with a broke down temple? Then what do you think they're doing when they look at your social media and you cussing and drinking and smoking and partying? They're saying, why is the child of God broke down when God's good and the child is bad? So this is why he's saying consider your ways. If you move, you, you can activate God's participation. Let's go right to that fourth point where we've been. What happens if you get God involved? Activate, 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 activate. Anybody ever get a new phone, you got to activate it? Get a new card, you got to activate it? Now watch this now. Have you ever tried to use the card you didn't activate? You were embarrassed, weren't you? Because you knew everybody behind you didn't think it was an unactivated card. They thought it was insufficient funds. And you up there explaining stuff and they're saying, he lying, he lying, he lying. <laughs> I, I, I just changed cards. <laughs> so, so it pays to activate. Watch this now. An unactivated card does not mean it doesn't belong to you. An unactivated card does not mean it's not in your possession. An unactivated card does not mean you don't have money in the bank. It just means that the, the resources needed that the card represents will not be unleashed until the proper authority is activated. Now watch this now. Just because God's power is not activated in your life doesn't mean you're not saved. You, you got your card. You got your salvation card. Listen to me. When you get saved, by the way, when you get your salvation card, it never gets taken back. It doesn't need to be renewed. It doesn't expire. It can't get stolen. You can't lose it. You, you, can, you can't leave home without it. Somebody said this morning, I let me wander. I went, to, I went to Panera and wanted to pay for my Panera, and I, had to, I didn't have my wallet. And you can't tell people, I really got money, but I don't have my wallet. They ain't going to believe you because most people be lying. Well, aren't you glad you didn't have to wake up this morning and make sure you had your salvation? Peter says we are kept by power until the day of redemption. I don't keep myself saved. God keeps me saved. And stop acting signified. You don't keep yourself saved either. God keeps them. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of. If we could fall out of God's hand, we'd have been fell out. We didn't fall out of God's hands, not because we're good Christians. We didn't fall out of God's hands because he's a good God. Amen. And he's got a grip so strong on us that no sin, no circumstance, no devil can take us out of his hand. How many of you glad you got saved? You still saved? You'll always be saved because God keeps you saved. So you got a salvation card. But sometimes God's participation is not activated because remember, just like the card, 
has an activation process. You call a number or you can do it online. Watch this now. God does too. Huh? So just because you're saved doesn't mean God is allowing his resources to be used on your behalf. So in order to activate God's participation, put it up there. Number one, it's going to involve able performance. We talked about this. Go to the mountain. <coughs> Proverbs 14, 23, in all labor there is profit. <laughs> Work activates God's participation. Let me give you the last part of the verse, Proverbs 14, 23. Put it in your notes. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor there is profit. Here's the second part of the verse. But the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. P-E-N-U-R-Y. You know what the word penury means? Poverty. Let me give you a phrase that you might want to remember. Labor yields profit. Laziness yields poverty. So somebody says, I don't know why God's not active in my life. Because you're not active in your own life. I want God to bless me. Work. Read your Bible. It's work. Pray. It's work. Come church. It's work. I tell you about some people, God's not active in their life. They, have, they, they stopped coming to church because of COVID, and they kept stopped coming to church when they don't have it. Some of our folks have to be very careful, and we respect that. But I tell you, it's, it's, it's a shame when people say, I'm not coming to church because I'm scared of COVID, and they're online going everywhere else. Boy, boy, help me. listen, if I'm going to risk my life, I'd rather risk my life doing something for God. Amen. I don't want to get around a lot of people. Well, well, did you go to a club all by yourself? Let's not, come on, don't treat God like he's a dummy. And don't treat his people that way either. Able performance. Uh, secondly, you can put all of them up there. Able performance and, and then adequate power. Adequate power. We saw in our text that the power that we need comes from Almighty God. Verses 6 and 7 of chapter number 2 is what we read just a few moments ago. God said, I'll shake up things. I can shake up things. A little while, I'll shake the heaven. I'll shake the earth. I'll shake the sea and, and the dry land. How many of you know glad that God's got power to shake up things? Amen. How many, of you, how many of you know that you need God shaking up some things in your life? And when you consider your ways, God shakes up some things, shakes up some things. Hey, isn't it amazing that while the world has gone through a, a global pandemic, that it has not bound the hand of God? Amen. Aren't you glad he is still in the business of shaking up some things? Verse number 13 of chapter number 1 tells us of the 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 active presence of God, the active presence of God. Now skip one, the authentic pleasure of God. Verse number eight of chapter one, he says, I will take pleasure in it. When you do what you're supposed to do, God is pleased. Can I ask you a question? How high up on your ranking system does pleasing God rank? We live in a society that is bent on pleasing people. Do you realize people do things that are detrimental to their health? They do things that are painful to their body. They do things that are, that are embarrassing inside, but they do it because they're trying to please somebody else. Could I ask you a question? Why in the world would you want to live your life trying to please people instead of living your life trying to please the one who made you, saved you, redeemed you, and changed you? 
And then the active presence of God, I will be with you. Last week, the actual prospect of God. That's what I just read. Who is left among you? Verse number three of chapter two. Who is left among you? Chapter two, verse three. Who of y'all saw the first house? Watch this now. This next house is going to be better than the first one. Who saw the first temple? This is what Haggai is asking. Y'all remember the first temple that Solomon built? Listen to me. It's been broken down, but you rebuild it. The glory of this ladder is going to be greater than the former. This is what I was just talking about this morning. Listen to me. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. We live in an unforgiving society. When you get a mark, you get a tarnish on you, you get a blemish on you, people put a scarlet letter on you. They highlight it. They raise it up. They talk about it. They, they, they tell people about it. Every, every once in a while, you get, you get church members who think that they've been assigned to inform new members members of all the blemishes of the members in the church when they join. Hey, you knew around here, let me tell you about him, let me tell you about her, let me tell you what she did, let me tell you what, how much foolishness is that? Who in this building wants to be characterized by your worst actions in life? Aren't you glad when God looks at you, he doesn't see your worst sin, he sees your best decision, and that's accepting Jesus as your Savior. Now, here's what God says. The glory of the latter will be greater than the former. The first building was good, but the second building would, listen to me, it is possible for God to make your life in restoration better than it ever was in its beginning. Aren't you glad that God can take good and make it better, that God can take great and make it greater? Aren't you glad that God, listen to me, it's good what you used to be, but you get back where you should be. God can make you better on the other end than you were on the front end. Now, let me give you this. It's what I call assured promises. Assured promises. All throughout Haggai, God says, I will. I will be with you. I will be glorified. I will take pleasure in it. I will shake the heavens. I will give this. How many of you tonight are glad that God does what he says? Notice we're teaching in 2 Corinthians on the, in the evening, yea, all the promises of God are yea and amen. And Paul was challenging them as we're teaching on Sunday nights not to say yea and then nay. How many of you have known somebody that said yea, but they actually did nay? Okay, some of you may not understand what that means. In other words, they said yes, but they actually did no. They said they'd do it, but they actually didn't. They said they wouldn't do it, but they did it anyway. Oh, I won't tell nobody. And they told everybody. Aren't you glad God keeps his promises? Christian people ought to be promise keepers too. Look at verse number 8 of chapter 2. Here's what I call available provisions. Look at verse 8. The silver is what? And the gold is what? Saith who? Let's do it again. The silver is whose? The gold is who? Says who? The Lord of hosts. Now watch this now. Here's what some Christians do. God, I know what you called me to do. God, I know what you expect me to do. God, I know what you told me to do. God, I know what you asked me to do. God, I know what you convicted me about to do. God, I know what I went to the altar and said I would do. But after I got back to my seat, I got to my house, I got to my job, I got to my private place of prayer, after I got to my budget, I discovered something, God. As much as I want to do what you called me to do, I just don't have the resources. And I can imagine there were some Jews going, well, Lord, we can't build this building. We're too broke. We've been in Babylon for 70 years. We don't have the adequate resources to get this temple built. And God comes with a rumbling response to those faithless people and says, y'all don't have to worry about resources. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. And I'd like to say to every believer, if God calls God will provide. Aren't you glad where God guides, God provides? So you can't make those excuses, beloved. 
And we're not just talking about financial resources, emotional resources, spiritual resources, prayer resources. Some of you in the building are trying to, to grapple with the reality of actually financing what God has called you to do. God, I know you told me to do it, but it looks hard when I get to work. I know you told me, told me to stay pure, but nobody else is pure. I know you told me to wait on the right choice, but nobody else is waiting. I know you told me to be faithful, but it's hard to be. I know you told me to give every week, but I don't know where the money's coming from. Ladies and gentlemen, stop expecting God to expect you to come up with the resources to do what he's called you to do. If God told you to build, he's going to provide the supplies. Let me give you this one in verse number nine. I will give peace. And I'm finished. Peace. Serenity. Rest. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Rest. Return to thy rest, Psalm 116. It's hard for Christians to rest anymore. You know why Christian people can't rest? Can I know Pete? Pete, Pete, listen. Peace is not that I don't have problems. Peace is that my problems don't have me. Now, I wonder how many believers today are struggling to find peace. You've heard me say it at my house. I could be walking in my neighborhood in the evening and see an Amazon truck in the neighborhood where I'm walking and just about predict that before he leaves the area, he's going by my house. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever ordered anything from Amazon myself. I don't even know if I knew how. But uh, the members of my family, <laughs> they, they, they have stock in the company. And so we actually have a little cart out front, a little table out front, with snacks for the delivery people. And I have a camera. Some jokers take several of them. I know what they're thinking. We at this house a lot. We deserve a lot of snacks. I'm, I promise you, I think they come to my house every day. And I discovered through my wife and my children that Amazon could about deliver anything. Like, like you, could, you could be ordering something in the morning from Amazon and somebody drop it off to you in the afternoon. And you don't have to go to the store and wait in the line or anything. It's like, you know what? Is Ricky and Brother Ricky in here? Guess what I got off of Amazon? Two super large containers of accent. Me and Brother Richard, it's accent, it's seasoning. It's not good for you, but it's good to you. <laughs> Somebody said, You put all that seasoning on your food, you're going to kill yourself. I said, you keep the seasoning off, you're going to die of depression. All right, so, so uh, <laughs> you die sad, I die happy. I'll meet you at the Golden Gates with a, with a can of equal in my hand <laughs> and sprinkle it right on your food. Anyway. Uh, so I found, I, you can't find it in the store. And my wife orders vitamins for me. She orders probiotic for me. She orders uh, 
packages stuff for me. And, and then they, they, they got clothes, food, everything. You can even order a pasta off of Amazon. <laughs> if you get Prime, it comes with a wife. <laughs> Same day delivery. And we go on vacation. We come back. If Deontay doesn't go by the house while we're gone, we come back to a porch full of packages. You almost can't get in the house. So I'm familiar with special deliveries. I'll tell you something. And all the times they've been in my house, they've never one time delivered peace. Not one. And when, and when my family's not at getting a delivery from Amazon, they're at Target. And I know, I know some saved people don't go to Target. Just, just be careful about what you cancel. Before long, you ain't going to be able to go nowhere, all right? All right, so just make sure if you start with a principle, you ride it out, all right? All right, so, so and, and, and you, you, that's for you. you. You took Target out your life, then you take it out your life, and you just go ahead with your bad self. They got my um, little uh, 2,000 milligram uh, vitamin C, D, and zinc mixture. They only sell it at Target. So my Christian self go right to Target and get it, all right? <laughs> so, and for a while, they were the only people sell, sold Dots pretzels, and that'll change your life too. But I've never seen peace in there. Well, the world thinks because we have stores that carry everything that they can actually manufacture peace. Here's what God said. You get yourself together. Come on, come on, listen to me. You get yourself together. I'll tell you why there are people getting high all the time. They want peace. They're trying to get a break away from their misery. The problem is you can get as high as you want to. Eventually, you got to land back to that mess. There's a reason why people will drink their lives away because they want to get their mind off of their misery. There's a reason why people will, will, will sell their rings and rob out of their wives' purse to gamble their money away because they're trying to get their misery out of there. There's a reason why guys want to turn to be girls and girls want to turn to be boys because they're not happy the way that God made them. I'm trying to tell you you're wasting your time. You're going to spend all your money, change your gender, go to all this mess, put all this stuff in your life, and you're still not going to have peace because there's only one person that can give peace, and that's the prince of peace. Listen to me. Stop trying to find peace, buy peace, manufacture peace, or make your own peace. Here's, here's what Haggai said. Get yourself together. Consider your ways. And God says, I got this. I'll give you peace. I'll give you peace. And you'll sleep at night. I sleep. Not long. Sleep. My wife said, you don't, you just don't worry about nothing. It's not, it's not that I don't have problems. Just I ain't going to let my problems have me. I've decided that I'm going to spend my time concerned about capabilities. You wake up in the morning, you got all this stuff on your mind. Make sure it's stuff that you can actually do something about. Some people don't get out of bed. I got so much stress in my life. Yeah, and you got so many clothes on the floor. You got so many dishes in the sink. 
and you got so much dirt in your bathtub, if you'd get up and do what you were capable of doing, maybe God would do what you can't do. So I'm not telling you not to have concerns. I'm just saying be concerned about what you can change. My mama said, why walk down the hospital and say, aren't you worried about cancer? She said, no, I can't worry about cancer. I can't change kids. What are you worried about, Mrs. Baldwin? Sweeping the floors, mopping the floors, washing the dishes, making the bed. Why are you worried about that? Because I can change that. Listen to me. Do what you can and let God do what you can. So if you're looking for peace, stop trying to fix stuff you can't fix. Consider your ways. You can go up to the mountain. You can read your Bible. You can pray. Listen to me, wayward Christian. You can come to church. Y'all got them cameras there? Right in front of me, right? Zoom it in. I'm not belittling your stress that's caused you to drift away from God. And neither is God. You can't make your debt go away today. You can, listen, by Wednesday night, you cannot make the disease get out your body, but you can get up off your blessed assurance and come to church. And just maybe, just maybe, that problem will still be there after church, but it won't be yours. It'll be God, and he'll give you peace. I guess that's a good place to end. Don't you love when somebody gets to a good point and then they go back and do another point? Just let it be. That's a good. Stop right there. That's a good place, Pastor. It's a good place to drop the mic, exit stage right. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name, help us to realize that you don't activate peace unless we first consider our way. We got to get ourselves together. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor, pray for me. I want peace. I need peace. But God's got to do it. God's got to do it. If that's you, would you put your hand up? Come on. I got, I got, to, I got to do my part if God's going to do his all over the building. We got some people in the building that are falling, falling apart. And I'm not about to dismiss the validity of your trials. God bless you all over the building. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. I wonder if there's anybody in the building say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Would you let me pray for you? Anybody like that? I'm not sure if I died today. God bless you. Don't be embarrassed. We love you here. We all been there. Bless your heart. Someone else? I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Anybody else like join this precious soul? Yes, I see the hand. And we'd love to get somebody to help you. To tell you how you can know that you're saved. Because the devil won't, listen, you can't live like a Christian if you're not sure you are one. That's what he does. So we'd love to get one of our leaders to make themselves available to you to show you how you can know you're going to heaven. Christian, would you pray all over the building? Let God talk to you. 
pray in your seat. God might minister. And we'll baptize one and receive this offering as our ushers will prepare. You looking for peace? God's got it. You think your peace will come when your problems go away. That's not it. It doesn't come when they go away. It comes when you let God have them. You're going to have problems till Jesus comes. Let God have them. Remain in the spirit of prayer. And Father, may your word change us and shape us and motivate us and move us. And I pray, God, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We love you and bless you and magnify your precious name. Be with the balance of this service. May Jesus truly be the Prince of Peace in our lives. In his precious name we